2: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death Creeps and Peepers. I'm Dan. Hey guys, it's me, Lindsay. Uh, just really quick. Uh, thoughts go out to everybody uh, dealing with the coronavirus pandemic in some way, which we know is basically everyone. Yeah. We hope you're washing your hands, limiting physical contact as much as you can. And we know that this uh, you know, disease is affecting a lot of people who are not sick, who may never get sick. Uh, You know, special thoughts go out to anybody who's working in the service industry, retail industry, so many other industries, baristas, waitresses, bartenders, restaurant owners, car salesmen, on and on and on. I know this is terrifying and not the kind of scary you were hoping for in the world. Yeah. We're going to do our best just to keep this coming out every single week for as long as we can, hopefully the entire time, because we know that many of you uh, want a distraction from everything else going on in the world right now more than ever. So just want to say our thoughts are with you. And yeah, this has affected us. Uh, you know, um, I, I also have been a stand-up comic and can't tour for the foreseeable future. So I, I feel your pain on some level. And yeah, yeah we're bummed. Tough. We're bummed. It's tough. Uh, we, we enjoy digging into these stories right now more than ever, I think, just as we want an escape to. So we're with you in many ways. I'm
3: pretty sure you did this.
2: You're pretty sure. Uh, yep. Too, yeah. many, too many scary stories unleash something.
3: Yeah, exactly. So blame Dan. Uh,
2: so blame me. Uh, really quick before the preview, we do have an intense badass Make Me Melt scared to death tea available now at badmagicmerch.com. Very cool. Very cool. Definitely for the creeps and the creepers. I say creeper because I know many of you take into calling yourself uh, a creeper instead of a creep. It does roll off the tongue rather creeper. nicely. Creep, creeper. They both play. Creepy creeper. And yeah, and we and we got, uh, we got a little, I think a little bit of a longer episode for you today. So Yay. I think it uh, comes at a good time when many people are looking to to kill more time than normal.
3: I mean, yeah, especially if you're on lockdown,
2: right? If you're quarantined, uh, how many stories do you have today?
3: I have two, but also yes. I have a little update, which is not like something that we're going to start doing regularly. I know that like time suckers love the updates. It's not going to be a regular thing. This one just happens to specifically pertain to a story we told from the yeah. Leap Castle.
2: Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Very cool. And we got pictures, right? Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I have two stories, as, as always. First up is a tale of, of a curse thrown on a man and his family as they settle into their first family home in the 1950s. Well, that sounds like fun. Mm, by somebody already uh, living in the home who did not oh. want to leave.
3: Okay, okay.
2: The second is a collection of multiple legends of hauntings associated with one of the most haunted hotels in America. Where? Flagstaff, Arizona's Hotel Monte Vista.
3: Oh, I immediately okay. thought like the Cecil Hotel
2: I got. Yeah, there, oh, that's a good one too. That's a great one too. Yikes We had a lot of a lot of hotels and we really haven't done many if yeah, we haven't really done a lot of hotel stories here.
3: Well, I think now's a good time because like I travel a lot with you for work, so we yeah. stay in a lot of hotels and yeah. previously maybe I wouldn't be so into. It. Okay. So I just need to say I'll be drinking out of my crystal water bottle this week. Okay.
2: <gasps> it's very from, cool.
3: From a fan, Mariah, and check out these fuzzy socks. I don't know. Can you tell they're little kitty cats?
2: Little kitty cats. Meow. So many different fuzzy socks. Also,
3: I recognize them. Very shiny. Uh, you don't know, look shiny to me. I look shiny on camera. I'm oh, ready to get cozy. Are you ready?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll do some non-scary setup while you're getting into your uh, protection blanket and all that good stuff. <laughs> yes. After World War II ended, a young officer named Lieutenant Ronald Lee reconnected with his high school sweetheart and stayed in the service. The two of them moved from base to base across the United States. Eventually, having four kids who traveled with them. As the children grew older. Ron's wife, Lucinda, longed for the day that they could all stay in one place. I get that. Lieutenant Lee became Major Lee. They enjoyed a comfortable living, but the continual moving was hard on Lucinda and the kids. And when his oldest, and when the oldest child was getting close to middle school and making more important friendships, and then a private sector job came up that would actually pay more than what Ron was uh, making in the military, Major Lee chose to retire from active duty. Okay. It was a tough choice. He loved being in the service, but he felt it was the right choice for his family. Sure. He'd spent most of his time in the service managing supplies, and he'd be doing the same thing now for a private contractor. But he would no longer have to travel constantly, and he and his wife could use uh, some money they'd saved over the years to buy a family home. Soon after looking at houses, they found a beautiful home in a small town just outside a major U.S. city in the suburbs where Ronald would now work. The town had everything they wanted, good schools, nice Catholic church, parks for the boys to play baseball in, shady sidewalks for taking walks. There was even an ice cream parlor in the center of town, perfect for after-dinner treats. All very quaint and wholesome. Malt shop, diner, cute little movie theater and more. All set in a friendly little town where everyone seemed to greet you with a smile and everyone seemed to know everyone else's name.
3: I love this. Take me there.
2: The house was plenty big enough for the family with a large yard for the kids to play in. Had two full stories, plus a small root cellar and an attic big enough to use as a storage room or convert into a playroom for the kids. Had four bedrooms, two bathrooms, one in the ground level, One in the second story, long, narrow staircase connecting the two main floors. Even had a garage with a nice workspace along the side, and it was easy walking distance to both the local grade school and junior high combination and the local high school. Less than a mile from all the downtown stores, there was even a big city park with a playground at the end of the street for the kids. It was perfect. The sale went smoothly. The Lee's initial offer was accepted by the current owners. They signed the papers and quickly became homeowners for the first time in their lives.
3: Okay, this is all very exciting.
2: All very good so far. In the month it would take to ready the papers for closing and for the owners to move out, the Lees put all their things from base housing into storage and lived with Lucinda's parents until they could move into their new home. And then when the time came, some of Ron's army pals from the nearby base helped them move in. They picked up all of his family's things from storage, loaded them into a rented truck, drove them to the Lees' new home, and unloaded their things. Shortly after arriving at the house, Ronald cracked the door and started opening the windows on the first floor, and one of his buddies took a box upstairs to put it into what would be Ron's daughter's room. And when he walked into that room, Ron heard a surprised shout. Time now for a tale called, He Wanted to Die in That House. Yeah, Ron heard footsteps coming from the wooden stairs and his buddy who had just yelled came into the kitchen where Ron was now standing. Hey Ron, y- you better come see this, he said. Ron walked up the stairs with his friend. They walked down the hall to the bedroom his friend had just been startled in and threw open the door. Inside... There was a thin elderly man sitting on a bed listening to a small transistor radio. Okay. He glared at Ron and his friend with intense anger in his eyes. He started speaking rapidly and animated, yelling at them in a language Ron was familiar with but didn't speak. He was shouting at them in Italian. And Ron knew enough Latin from his Catholic school days to get the basic gist of what he was saying. He really wanted them to leave. Ron and his friend tried to explain to him that it was Ron's house. And he was the one who needed to leave, but the angry man didn't seem to speak any English. Luckily, one of Ron's friends was Italian, Frankie Giovanni, and one of his relatives who lived nearby actually spoke the language fluently. Frankie ran to a neighbor's house and called his uncle, who luckily came over quickly. Ron really hoped this guy would be able to talk some sense into this angry old man and get him to leave. He didn't want to drag an elderly man out of his new home, and he'd rather not involve the police. When Frankie's uncle arrived, he went up to talk to this man and found out that he'd lived there for many, many years and that he didn't want to leave. He had figured he was always going to die in that house, and he was devastated when his kids, who were the owners, had decided to sell it. Okay. And when the rest of his family moved out, he dug in his heels and simply refused to go with them. And he wasn't going to leave now. What followed was a heated argument, and Ron had no more luck convincing the man to get out than his family had before him. Unfortunately, he still ended up having to call the police. Someone from the county sheriff's department arrived with someone from the county welfare agency. The woman from the welfare welfare agency called the realtors to see if the man's family could be tracked down. No luck. Finally, the sheriff's deputy, Ron, and a couple of Ron's old army buddies had to physically remove this old man from the room. Oh, jeez. They had to literally carry him down the stairs and out to the waiting squad car. He was, of course, furious. The whole way down, the man fought like mad and screamed at them in Italian. Finally, just before the old man was placed in the squad car, he screamed something directly at Ron. If looks could kill, Ron would have died right then and there. The man made a strange gesture with his hands as he yelled, and directly before yelling, he spit near Ron's feet. Eek. Frankie's uncle looked a bit concerned by what he'd just heard, and he told Ron, he just put a curse on you for taking his house. Ron didn't believe in curses, but he soon would. Ron shrugged his shoulders, saying, whatever makes him happy, I guess. And then while the deputy and the welfare agent drove the angry man to a nearby facility for the elderly to hold him there until the family could be tracked down, Ron and his friends removed the man's belongings and brought his family's stuff into the house. And then several hours later than originally anticipated, Ron finally went and returned the truck to the rental agency, picked up his family, and they moved into their new home. And all was well for the first week. The Lee family unpacked boxes, repainted a couple of rooms, and cleaned up the yard. Their new welcoming neighbors introduced themselves to Ron and Lucinda. Several of the women in the neighborhood brought the family cake, cookies, and pies as welcome-to-the-neighborhood gifts. Cute. A couple curious kids from the neighborhood, about the same ages as uh, the Lee's two older children, rode their bikes up and down the sidewalk in front of the new Lee home until Lucinda invited them in and introduced them to her boys, who hopped off on their own bikes and went out to check out the neighborhood with their new buddies. By the end of the first week, the boys were playing baseball in the park with their new friends and inviting them over for dinner. And then late one night, a week after they'd moved in, the honeymoon was over. Ron was woken in the early morning by the sound of someone slamming cupboard doors in the kitchen. He nudged Lucinda to make sure he wasn't hearing things, and right after waking her, two doors were slammed in rapid succession. And they were both certain that neither of them was dreaming. Ron jumped out of bed, headed toward the kitchen. He briefly thought about grabbing a handgun he had in the dresser, but he didn't. It must just be one of the boys. He figured one of them had gotten out of bed far too early and was looking for some cereal. He just didn't think an intruder was logical. This was a small town in the 50s where having, an, having, a, having to escort an unarmed elderly man out of the home had been the craziest thing the deputy had dealt with in months, if not years. That same deputy had told him, echoing what the realtor had told him weeks before, that this was the kind of town where no one locked their doors. But part of Ron, as he made his way out of his bedroom and toward the stairs, thought he might soon rethink that policy. He again paused for the briefest moment and thought about grabbing his gun. No, he was being paranoid. What kind of intruder loudly slams cupboard doors? Right after having that thought, Ron heard another cupboard door slam shut. It was one of the boys. It had to be. Ron walked to the top of the stairs, and then he froze. Oh, no. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. At the bottom of the stairs, bathed in eerie blue-white light coming in through the windows from the street light outside was the old man who had cursed him. No. The man looked up at Ron. And Ron quickly realized this man he was looking at was no longer human. Uh. His eyes were black hollows. His skin was bluish white. It looked brittle and cracked. His hair was wispy, white, and practically glowing. He pointed a bony, bony finger at Ron. His mouth opened. A dark blackness poured out like a snake. Uh. And then Ron, a hardened military man, a World War II veteran who had seen combat a decorated veteran, felt very, very afraid. And then in a flash, this man, this thing was at the top of the stairs, its face no more than six inches from Ron's face. Startled, terrified, staring into the black hollows where eyes should be, Ron let out an involuntary scream and fell backwards. He quickly rolled over onto his hands and knees, facing away from this wraith, then popped up and spun back around to see nothing. (sighs) Whatever he'd just seen was gone. Dad, he heard from down the hall. He'd woken his oldest two sons, and now they were both walking out from the rooms into the hall, and his oldest asked him, Why'd you yell? He told him he just stubbed his toe, walking down to grab a glass of water and convince him to go back to sleep. His wife now walked out. Ron, everything okay? Everything's fine, he said from the hall. And they walked back to bed. When they got back to the room, he briefly considered telling her what he'd seen, but he didn't want to scare her. And it sounded insane. Would she even believe him? He told her a window had been left open and was blowing a little uh, door downstairs open and shut. Lucinda, exhausted from the move, bothered enough to go back to bed.
0: Okay, okay.
2: The rest of the night was quiet with no further incidents. The following day, Ron drove into town to work in his new job. Lucinda continued to make their house a home, look after the baby and their toddler, and their two older boys played down the street at the park enjoying the last weeks of summer. And then the next night, it happened again. More banging from the cupboards downstairs, more frequent and aggressive than the night before. Both Lucinda and Ron woke up to the noises this time. Lucinda asked Ron if he thought a window had been left open again. When he told her yes, she offered to go close it herself and started to get up. Oh no, oh no. Ron grabbed her wrist He said that he would handle it. He didn't want to risk her seeing what he'd seen. He walked out of the room like nothing was wrong, shut the door behind him, and then froze in the hallway, almost paralyzed with fear. A cupboard door in the kitchen began to open and close continuously. Uh. Bang. 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 He steeled himself and walked to the end of the hall. Bang. Bang. Bang! He doesn't see anything. The apparition from last night, nowhere to be found. He slowly and steadily walks down the stairs, prepared at any moment to see the horrible sight from the night before. Bang! 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 Soon he's in the kitchen. Still, he sees nothing other than the cupboard door opening and closing. With no breeze in the house opening and closing. Uh He starts to walk towards it, not really knowing what he's going to do once he gets there. Then another cupboard door opens. And then quickly slams shut. And then suddenly all of the cupboard doors open at once. Oh,
3: my God.
2: And before his eyes all slam shut. Bang! Ron, of course, is startled. And then he's about, about jumps out of his skin when he hears his wife scream from behind him on the stairs. Oh, shit. He spins around. Immediately he sees what had scared her. The ghost of the old man is back. Standing off to the side of the base of the stairs by the door to the backyard, staring at the two of them. His eyes still empty, black hollows, his skin still bluish-white, brittle and cracked, his hair wispy white, practically glowing, his mouth opens and once more a dark blackness pours forth like a snake. He silently says whatever he's saying, and he possibly moves fast in a blur and now stands directly in front of Lucinda, who screams again, a scream of pure terror, and then he vanishes as Ron begins to run towards his wife. (sighs) Lucinda bursts into tears and yells, What was that?! Ron begins to tell her everything as the boys pour out of the room. The baby and their toddler can be here g- crying. After getting the kids to bed, he tells her about the curse. About seeing the same entity the previous night. Lucinda wants him to find this man, talk to him the next day. Talk to his family, beg for forgiveness, do whatever he needed to do to get this guy to leave their family alone. Totally. The next morning, Ron calls a local police station, gets a hold of the deputy, the same one who had helped remove this man from his house just over a week earlier. He asked if they were able to connect that man with his family and what the deputy tells him doesn't surprise him but it does make his stomach drop. No, they hadn't connected him to his family, the deputy said because two nights earlier in the nursing home he'd been forced to move into, the man had died. I knew it. Staff said he'd refused to eat the entire time he was there. Ron told his wife what he just heard and she insisted they immediately visit their new church. The spirit of this angry man was haunting their home and they needed to talk to a priest so that's exactly what they did. They spoke to Father Parson, who agreed to come over that night for a a house blessing to cleanse their home. The Lee family gathered that evening in the kitchen, children and all. Lucinda and Ron each held their rosaries. And Father Parsons began their home's blessing, saying, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then Ron, Lucinda, and their oldest two boys each made the sign of the cross and replied, Amen. And then when Father Parsons started to say peace be with this house and with all who live here All the cupboard doors began to violently open and shut (sighs) Father Parsons made the sign of the cross and started to repeat louder this time Peace be with this house and with all who live here And then Father Parsons screamed and stumbled backwards Ron, Lucinda and their children turned and faced the door to the backyard and the old man was back Oh my god He stared at the priest with those sunken black eyes, black mist pouring forth from his mouth He angrily and silently mouthed what Ron could only guess was his curse The Lee children were screaming now, the cupboards continued to open and slam shut Bang! 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 Father Parsons quickly regrouped Again he yelled, this time as he held the rosary cross out towards the spirit Peace be with this house and with all who live here The apparition flashes forward and is suddenly in the priest's face, who is clearly frightened but doesn't move. Peace be with this house and with all who live here, he screams. Leave this family and be gone. Your time here has passed and the spirit of the Lord compels you, in Jesus' name, to leave this place and never return. And just for the briefest moment, the face of the old man's ghost seems to become less monstrous, less menacing, looking more like he'd looked in life, and his expression is one of sadness. And then he quickly fades from sight. The cupboard cease to slam, the house falls silent, the energy of the home immediately feels more peaceful. The priest finishes his blessing, and Ron and Linda Lucinda comfort their crying children. When Christ took flesh to the Blessed Virgin Mary, he made his home with us. Let us now pray that he will enter this home and bless it with his presence. May he always be here and with you, share in your joys, comfort you in your sorrows. Inspired by his teachings and example, seek to make your new home before all else a dwelling place of love, diffusing far and wide the goodness of Christ. And both Ron and Lucinda say, Amen. Amen. They thank the priest profusely. The priest returns to his church. They move the crib next to their bed and all the kids sleep in the room that night and for next the next night and for several nights after that as well. What didn't happen those following nights was the return of the old man's ghost. The blessing had worked. Oh. The Lee's never reported any more sightings. They did find out where the old man had been buried at the local cemetery, placed flowers near his tombstone, paid their respects, and expressed their sadness over the way things had ended for him.
1: Dang.
3: i reached for my cross.
2: <laughs> yeah. Dang. Well, uh, I'll,
3: do you have pictures? hmm Okay. I'll, I'll hold my thoughts until uh, after the photos.
2: Okay. So here's a picture of the old man.
3: Yikes.
2: Who had put the curse on the family.
3: What? <laughs> That's not real.
2: It is, that's actually that's not the old man from the. That's a creepy old man from Poltergeist 2.
3: I know. I was like, wait a second.
2: How creepy is that actor though?
3: Yeah, they did a good job with him.
2: Uh, here's a picture of Ron and Lucinda, the Lees. Um,
3: why? What is with the fucking creepy bunny?
2: <laughs> that's not them that either. That just I was looking for a creepy old man, and for some reason, this picture came up of a dude in the creepy bunny costume holding two boys. Yeah, that's
3: creepy. <laughs> Ugh.
2: Okay, one more. This is the only one I could find. So here's a picture of the Lees. Uh, <laughs> no, I, there's no pictures of any of these people. This is so creepy, though. I, when I was looking, why does the CDC Center for Disease Control? That's Phil Spector. Rem- it is. Yeah, remember we watched that documentary a long time ago. Yeah, that is the former big time record producer, rock and roll Hall of Fame member, currently 80 years old and in prison for murdering actress Lana Clarkson. Yeah, shot her in the mouth. Uh, that is that he is the creepiest, he creepiest looking older guy.
3: He did not age well. No. Something is wrong like with his face. I mean, he, like, like, he
2: literally looks like a goblin.
3: Well, it looks like, um, it, it looks like he must have gotten in a fight, like broken jawbone, or like, like his.
2: I don't know. His face
3: just doesn't look right.
2: <laughs> it sure doesn't.
3: Yikes! Woo! <sighs> all right. Well, thanks for fun pictures. No pictures. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I have to say this.
2: Yes. Who the
3: fuck just leaves their father in this house?
2: Yeah, sure. Th- that's
3: That's preposterous. Can you imagine if we would have moved into our house and there was just an old man still living there? I know. I that know. is insane. I know.
2: Like, it's insane.
3: Like if if, okay, my parents are not that old. They're not near death, even though, you know, yeah. I have my thoughts about my dad. But let's just say my dad dies and my stepmom wants to stay in the house. We're going to call like welfare services, like somebody. Sure. She's going to be removed before... We let new people sure move in. It's insane. How is that a thing?
2: I don't know. And,
3: and, and, and then they were couldn't be found. Are you kidding me? Was <laughs> right. he just an insane old man? Who Was knows? that even his family that lived there before? Like, there's, I have there's so many questions. Oh
2: yeah, and there's no additional details. And that's the nature of a lot of these stories. You know, it's a scary story. You know, out there on the web somewhere. And yeah, we don't know if these are true or not. But uh, again, if it is terrifying, well,
3: it felt really fucking real.
2: Right. So I mean. Yeah, I, but there's but there's no peripheral details, which I kind of like on a lot of these stories.
3: Does it feel more real to you then?
2: No, it's just like um, it makes it harder to kind of pick apart. Where there's you can't be you can't like look up and then find somebody who's like, well, actually, the right. Lee's exaggerated this. It's like no, it's just there's just one story floating out there, and this is what it was. And I had to do some digging for that one too. It's yeah. not like an easily accessible story.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, my brain is so on coronavirus that would. We- this and which is i know it's
2: not funny but this is funny right
3: uh when you were like and he was 6 inches from his face oh i wanted to be God, like that that's of... not social distancing <sighs> 6 feet
2: i know it's so hard to get our brains out of that so
3: hard so it is freezing in here yeah. when we started it was 63 degrees in here it's it's moved up to 64 i can't feel my toes oh man
2: well okay so this, this next story yeah, is pretty,
3: that was creepy It's a creepy shit. story i was right. picturing like our house and Cupboards oh opening, God. and do you yeah. remember last night when I was getting into bed and I was like, "What was that sound?" And you were like, "That was me opening the closet door." I'm like, "Nope, that's absolutely not what I heard." It was like a definitely oh, like, yeah, rumble yeah, right sound. I went to bed, yeah, it's like you never care when I he- say I hear sounds.
2: I don't want to feed your dramatic pers- person. But you don't
3: hear them. Why don't you hear them?
2: I did hear that last night.
3: Well, then why didn't you say that?
2: Because as I was saying earlier, you're a dramatic person, and I don't like to feed into your dramatic uh, moments because I know it's just going to make it worse. If, you- if i I feel like my job has to be to be the steady rock, yeah, otherwise you will lose your shit because you're much more mentally fragile than I am in some ways, oh, mm. okay,
3: okay, okay <laughs> so that, that is something to be discussed later because if. If you
2: recall,
3: <laughs> if you recall, yeah.
2: you I said it in some ways, I put a little asterisk at the end.
3: You are the one who did a time uh-huh. suck on bizarre mental disorders and then went on like a personal diatribe oh, about how have you're stuff. mentally ill.
2: I, I do have. Well, I mean, I'm not like clinically, but I'm, yeah, no, I'm crazy. Uh, you,
3: you, Oh, yeah. so being crazy is not a clinical diagnosis.
2: We're crazy in different ways.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
2: You're, you're crazy in a way. I, see, I, I know when to rein mine in and not feed yours. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of my jobs as, as a partner.
3: Hmm. i won't discuss how i have to stay mentally stable for you to be crazy i'll just i know
2: you do you do in other ways i freak out in non-apparition ways yeah i spiral absolutely oh, yeah you do <laughs> yeah you do sure right right absolutely okay. i go you know but, but well, if,
3: if you would just validate it like oh yeah i actually would be less freaked out because then i i feel crazy when i'm like oh my god like i'm is it, is it something like you that, say that,
2: but okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll yeah. try it. Okay. We'll try it.
3: Cause, because you're just like going off but, what and, you uh, think is right. But, right. but if you were like, oh yeah, I heard that. And then, cause I was like, I don't know. I'm like, was that just like a weird furnace sound? If you'd have been like, oh yeah, I heard it. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yes. Definitely the furnace. Like right. you just shut it down as opposed to being like, nope, didn't hear it. Cause then I lie there. I'm like, am I hearing things? Am I really losing it?
2: <laughs> okay. So I'll try and I'll validate, but I will say if I validate it and then I'm up to three in the morning. Because you're, you're up
3: till three in the morning, anyways. Be, because I'm like kicking you, and I'm right. like, "What
2: well, did you hear that? Did you hear that?" Okay, but if it makes it worse, then then after that I won't say anything. Then after that there could be a demon standing next to you that you're screaming. and I'm like, "Nah, it's, I don't see I don't see anything."
3: That is not true. And
2: then I will wink at it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> if
3: that happens, you will also lose your shit. Uh, true, true. And also, like, who cares if you get stuck up, stuck staying up late? Right I do. Why? You, I, I
2: still have to get up early and prepare content.
3: Nah, you, you could sleep in. You could stay up late the mm. next day. You well, don't have to get on planes okay. for a while. All
2: right, all right. this is
3: the best time.
2: That's true for you to freak out. Yeah, yeah. Or the worst time.
3: The best time. <laughs> we could, you know, what we could do. Yeah. Oh my god. We could just stay up all night and monitor the house. We could get like special cameras and like the whole thing. We could totally see if our house is haunted, and then we could just sleep during the day.
2: Uh, no, that's against my natural cycle.
3: I think. It would be so fun to figure out if our house is haunted right now. This is a great
0: time. Okay,
2: I think let's do this next story. <laughs> okay. And then we maybe more th- at the end.
0: <laughs> travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With OneTravel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With OneTravel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it. Book it. Live it. OneTravel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home
1: rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton,
4: for the stay. There's a story behind every murder, but is there an ending? That's the question being asked by Murder True Crime Stories, a Crime House original podcast powered by PAVE Studios. I'm Carter Roy. Join me every Tuesday as I tell the story of a famous solved or unsolved murder. Each episode dives into the darkest corners of true crime, unraveling chilling narratives, examining compelling clues, and most importantly, seeking the truth. What sets murder true crime stories apart is the focus on humanizing the victims and the effect their deaths had on their families, friends, and community, Will always leave with the knowledge of why their stories need to be heard. New episodes release every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Murder Colon True Crime Stories.
2: Now this one this one is the opposite of the last one. This one is m- the most verified you can be as far as like in the world of paranormal where that last story is a very obscure story. This is a story that, you know, many ghost hunters have come to this hotel. There has been many, many sightings, uh, all kinds of websites. It shows up as being a haunted place. So a little setup before the scares.
3: Uh huh. I'm just going to start protecting myself.
2: Fireworks exploded over the Mesa, sending a shower of sparks to the sky through the haze. The residents of Flagstaff, Arizona could see the outline of their brand new hotel, which was five stories tall and occupied nearly an entire city block. The beautiful Hotel Monte Vista had formally opened New Year's Eve 1927. Flagstaff residents hoped their new hotel would help usher in a new era of prosperity for their city. The first permanent settlement in Flagstaff was built in 1876 when Thomas F. McMillan built a cabin at the base of Mars Hill on the west side of town. During the 1880s, Flagstaff began to grow, opening its first post office and attracting the railroad industry. By the turn of the century it was the largest city on the railroad line between Albuquerque and California. Timber, sheep, and cattle were sent to the West Coast, luxury goods returned on the railway lines. But Flagstaff lagged in tourism, and the lack of hospitality meant that visitors moved on quickly and went elsewhere to spend their money. The hope for the Monte Vista was that it would encourage people to stick around and dine, drink, and shop in Flagstaff, and it did just that. The hotel became just as popular amongst tourists as it was with locals. Decades later, in the 40s and 50s, when Americans' entertainment of choice turned to movies about the Wild West, the hotel did more business than ever, as Flagstaff became a popular filming destination. More than 100 movies would be shot nearby in Sedona and Oak Creek Canyon, and when many of these movies filmed, the Hotel Monte Vista housed their stars and crews. Famous guests such as Gary Cooper, Spencer Tracy, John Wayne, Bing Crosby, Bombshell Jane Russell, and more stayed at the Monte Vista. In one of the rooms of the hotel, a scene from Casablanca was filmed. With so many guests coming and going through the hotel, some tragedies were bound to occur. And behind some of these tragedies, ghosts would follow. Time now for the tale of the spirits who haunt the Hotel Monte Cristo. In the early 1940s, a wealthy businessman passing through town for just one night found two young, down-in-their-luck women who were willing to exchange some sexual favors for a bit of cash. But he had more than sex on his mind. Oh, dear. He brought them up to the Hotel Monte Vista... Room 306. I said Hotel Monte he, Cristo earlier and I, and I paused. And I'm like, that's not right. You the did. count of Monte Cristo, I think, stuck in my head.
3: You did. And then I was, sorry to take us out of the story for a second. Yeah. But yeah, I'm watching to- you because I could watch your eyes, like looking at the other page and then looking lower and seeing that. Yeah. Nope, you're like, wait, what did I do?
2: I know. I was trying to keep reading and also look at other parts of the page. So Hotel Monte, well, I haven't got to the scares yet. So okay, that's good. Okay. I good. mean, I do
3: love a Monte Cristo sandwich. So okay. that's what I started thinking about.
2: <laughs> so he had more than sex in his mind. He brings these two women up to room 306 in the Hotel Monte Vista. Shortly afterwards, guests down the hall report hearing their bright, spirited chatter, which slowly turns into the sounds of sex. A few minutes later, some guests hear the sounds of an argument, and then the sounds of some sort of physical altercation. Uh-oh. And then the screams. The clerk who answered calls about these reports goes to check on the room, but he would be too late to save anyone. Shit. Two women are thrown from the open window of the third-story room. Both die on impact on oh my the ground below. God! The businessman shoved his possessions into a suitcase, quickly fled out a back door as the bodies lay mangled on the sidewalk, growing cold. The man was never found and held responsible for the murders.
3: Jesus.
2: And now some think those women's spirits haunt the Hotel Monte Vista. In the years since the murders, various guests, usually male guests traveling alone, have reported being awakened in the middle of the night and unable to return to sleep due to a persistent feeling that they're being watched. Some of these men have even reported that every time they start to slip off, they feel the sensations of cold hands around their mouths and throats, and then they find themselves suddenly unable to breathe, and they jolt back into being awake. What? Are those two women perhaps still searching for the man who killed them? Probably. Are they all these years later trapped in some world between this and the next, still hoping to have their revenge? In 1970, three men robbed a bank outside of Flagstaff. As they started to flee the scene, the police arrived and a gunfight broke out. One of the officers fired a shot into the leg of one of the robbers before the men fled. They were able to lose the officers in the ensuing chase, and then instead of going to a hospital where they were worried officers would be waiting for them, they ended up at the Hotel Monte Vista. The man who'd been shot didn't think he'd been badly hurt, and concealing his bloody leg beneath the table, he decided to self-medicate and lay low until the next morning. He and his two fellow bank robbers drank well into the night. The more they drank, the less pain he felt in his leg. Eventually, he started slurring his words, and then finally, he slumped over, unconscious. His friends assumed he'd had just one too many, until later they looked down, on the floor beneath the table was a pool of blood. Right. Their friend had been bleeding out, and he'd die before the ambulance would arrive. By the time it did, his friends were long gone. Just a few days later, the bartender, Jerry, heard a cheerful voice greet him with, good morning, when he unlocked the bar to start his day. At first, Jerry assumed it was a drunk patron who'd fallen asleep there the night before, but when he looked around, he realized no one else was there. He felt silly for having responded to the voice until a few days later, when he was opening the bar with a co-worker, and they both heard it. Good morning, the voice rang out. Morning, his co-worker responded, and again, no one was there. A couple months later, Jerry and another hotel bartender were talking after hours, long after the place had closed. Suddenly, they heard someone stumbling into the bar, crashing through the doors and knocking some chairs over. When they ran to find the source of the noise, nothing. They were the only ones in the bar. Uh. And it wasn't just the bartenders hearing all this commotion. To this day, guests sometimes hear voices and loud music emanating from the bar late at night. Numerous guests have heard the same song. A popular Ella Fitzgerald rendition of How High the Moon from 1960 being played over and over again on the jukebox. Some hotel visitors swear they can hear a raspy voice singing along with Ella. Did that man who died listen to the song shortly before he bled out that night? As the 70s slid into the 80s, Flagstaff hit an economic recession and many of those who couldn't afford housing or were working interrent, uh, 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 it. Intermittent? Interrent? I can never say that word. It's one of these most annoying words. I-T-I-N-E-R-A-N-T. In- like temporary. I'll just say temporary. It's a fancy word for temporary. I, I overreached trying to put that one in there. Uh, they're working temporary jobs. They boarded at the Monte Vista. One such man was known only as the Meat Man. By the hotel staff.
3: That's fucking creepy.
2: He stayed in room 220 for several months, and all of the staff soon learned to never enter his room. The first few times when cleaners did come in, they were overpowered by the stinking smell of rotting flesh. The source? Rancid meat hanging from the room's chandelier. What? This incredibly strange man never offered an explanation for why he had this meat, never said what kind of meat it was. Then several months after checking in, this meat man died. Staff didn't find his body until he'd been dead for three days. And then when they did find him, he smelled almost as bad as the meat he used to hang from the light. The hotel staff cleaned out his room, hoped this would be the end of it, but some think the meat man is still staying in the hotel. A few weeks later, some men staying in the same room had a fight and punched a hole in the wall. A maintenance man got the call that room 220 needed some work. When he got there, he felt a chill in the room that he just tried to ignore at first. He needed a tool that he didn't have on him, and he had to leave for about an hour or so to return to, a, to run to a hardware store and come back. When he returned, he unlocked the door to room 220 and claimed he found the television on at full volume. The linens on the bed torn to shreds and draped over the chandelier just like the meat that had hung there a few weeks earlier.
1: Weird.
2: Today, guests that sleep in room 220 sometimes report the television acting up, as well as reports of a horrible smell permeating the room and cold male hands touching them as they sleep. Ah. The most haunted room might be 303. Several guests who have stayed in room 303 have reported not being able to sleep at all because of the constant creaking. Creak, creak, creak goes on the entire night. And while the sound is bad enough, making it worse is being able to see the source of the sound. The sound comes from an old rocking chair in the corner of the room. Rocking back and forth on its own all night. Fuck that. Sometimes out of the corner of their eyes, guests have glimpsed the same spirit rocking in this chair, an elderly woman forlornly staring out into the distance. They've gotten the feeling that she's waiting for something, for someone, but who? No one has any idea who she is or who she may be waiting for. All these spirits are thought to be the spirits of former guests, but they are not the only spirits in this hotel. The guests, uh, the ghosts of those who formerly worked at the hotel in life sometimes also remain in death. It's a commonly reported phenomenon that former employees keep returning to their jobs after they've died. Many people, particularly housekeeping and front desk agents, have, for example, seen a polite attendant assisting their ride in the elevator, despite the old elevator having been removed years ago and an automatic elevator installed in its place. A soft voice will ask, which floor may I take you to? Some have even claimed to see a hand whisking through the air as though to shut an old-fashioned elevator's gate. Not uncommon when you're riding the elevator to look into the mirrored panels around you and see a figure standing behind you. Yeah. Then there's the phantom bellboy. Hotel guests will hear a knock at their door and a muffled voice announcing room service. But when the guests open the door, no one's there. One woman recalled encountering multiple spirits during her visit to the Hotel Monte Vista. I just came back from spending the night at the Monte Vista Hotel in Flagstaff with my son and friend. After we got done checking in, we asked what floor the meat man was on. They told us the second floor, room 220, so we put all of our stuff in room 305, the rocking chair room, and then headed down to the second floor. We walked around for a while. We were the only people on the floor at the time. As we started heading down the hallway towards room 220, we noticed a meat smell. It was a very distinct sausage smell. The smell only lasted a minute or so, and then it was gone. When we got to 220, we started taking pictures of the door. We stood there for a few seconds talking and then headed down the hallway to leave. Just then, a door opened in front of my son. He dodged the door thinking a guest was coming out of the room. However, when he turned to see who was coming out, he saw that it was the door to a janitor closet. We stood there and watched the door to see if anything else was going to happen, and then we saw a dark shadow cross the hallway. Ah. My friend started recording on her phone, and and when we replayed the recording, we heard a man's voice. It sounded like he spoke right by the speaker on her phone, either calling out or breathing hard. We left the hall soon after that. My son was uncomfortable for the rest of the trip, although I couldn't get him to say exactly what was making him so nervous. Another recent guest described an experience with a more menacing apparition at the Hotel Monte Vista. I went outside for a cigarette, described the guest, a young man driving across the country with his girlfriend. I was walking through the alley and watching the hotel staff load a shipment of produce into the kitchen. The door was open to the basement and behind the employees I saw a figure. It was an enormous man more than six feet tall i thought he was another employee until i noticed his menacing uncomfortable presence and way of fidgeting as though he were itching to get out of the basement and he was getting angrier and angrier as people kept blocking his way i didn't know what to do i was paralyzed my cigarette burned down to the nub and i felt it start to burn my hand as soon as i felt the burn the figure made eye contact and smiled as though he enjoyed my pain i ran and i didn't look back hell no maybe the most disturbing paranormal encounter that many have claimed to experience are the ones with the baby in the basement. Yeah. The disturbing sounds of an infant crying somewhere in the basement have been heard over and over and over. A sound real enough to lead several people on a search for the source of the sound, people thinking someone had just abandoned a baby in the basement. Primarily maintenance and laundry personnel report this encounter as they're the only ones routinely going down there. Staff have found themselves running upstairs to escape the sound of the cries sounds very real to those who hear them. And some of those who have looked for this baby report that as they seem to get close, they start to feel the air get thick and heavy. The shadows suddenly seem strange around them. They feel the presence of something ominous and malevolent. They're overcome with an urge to flee the room. Did something terrible happen to a baby in that basement? Or is the sound some sort of trick? Is something leading possible victims further and further into the shadows where something far worse than the spirit of a screaming child awaits them. The end.
3: Two things. Yes. We're never going to Flagstaff. And if we <laughs> just do... Just the city in general? Just, I just want to avoid it. Because as you were telling that story, I started to feel like a real creepy energy. Ooh. I didn't, I was starting to get a little freaked out there at the end. Where I was like, in my mind, I was saying, no, thank you, go away. I don't want any. Just like yeah. trying to stay in the story, but also something felt very off in here. And two, yeah, if we have to go to Flagstaff... No,
2: not staying there. Not going to stay in those Fuck. rooms.
3: Not even staying in that fucking hotel. Maybe we can go for a cocktail, but that's it. Okay. Okay. Do you have well,
2: pictures? I do. It's, okay. it's a beautiful hotel. So here's um oh, yeah. okay. So here's the first one. It's a it's, it's a really it's pretty cool. hotel. Um, there's uh, a, another cool. This one next one's like a black and white. I think uh, a little cooler of the same hotel. Yeah. And especially thinking about it, you know, like way back in the twenties. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So this next one, this is the rocking chair in room three Oh five. Yeah. Three Oh five. Sometimes I kept writing it down as different numbers, but yeah, three Oh five.
3: It does have like, I mean, I don't know if it's just the way the photograph was taken, but Uh like there's a light hitting the chair Mm -hmm. that makes it feel especially spooky. Mm -hmm. And then you can see, um, a reflection in the mirror that I'm like, what's, (sighs) I want to go like this. (laughs) <laughs> i want to zoom in
2: <laughs> and then this is the meat man room last picture is the uh the, yeah, the room with the chandelier oh no wait that's a super creepy doll
3: were you trying to get me didn't work i know
2: it's so hard it's so hard after so many episodes to get you
3: well i think you just have to get better at it <laughs> oh my
2: god um but, but yeah but there was the rest of the pictures were just rooms i mean they weren't like particularly scary so yeah, that you get meat, the gist. that
3: meat man thing that's yeah. very strange right why would, why would you be hanging me in a chandelier? I mean chandelier? so
2: many po- mentally ills where my mind went uh who who knows. I it's did, just so odd. Oh,
3: I felt funny. Um <laughs> I did think like did he kill somebody?
2: Oh right, right. And then hang them up there? Yeah. Who knows, who knows. Cuz
3: I don't know how you would I mean, they didn't say like it was like a slab of beef, you know, that would yeah. be obviously, you know, like a half a cow kind of thing or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm,
3: also, mm-hmm. just the weight of that, the chandelier. I don't know. Something about that just didn't feel right.
2: Yeah. Oh, and and, and actually, before we go to your story, I do want to say yeah. that I, I noticed some some comments and things about uh, people liking the, the cryptid, the... Uh, the uh, skinwalker tale oh yeah so and like hoping that there's more yes we, we uh, you know definitely will keep varying this up and try and find as, as many different ways to uh tell a scary tale as possible and i think the key is variety so i was joking about you know the pictures i mean you gotta stay in this world of horror but definitely want to um I, I'm, I'm glad that worked i'm glad that worked for many of you because i liked it as well and uh hopefully you like the uh the urban legend kind of one as well the Teke Teke. you know just to open up more possibilities talkie talkies Teki teke. Talkie, Taki-taki.
3: I can't believe that no one uh, gave, didn't. Bleh, I cannot believe that we were not given any takis in Nashville. We got so many amazing presents. Yeah. I thought for sure someone would be like, this is what a taki is. Because I can't believe that you don't know what they are.
2: Oh, well, I'm so confused right now. I, I was thinking of teki-taki, like the, the girl yeah, with the. Yeah, and no then legs. I said the
3: hot Cheetos. Takis. Oh,
2: yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Welcome to my life.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Now do you want some crystal water? No. Do you want like to borrow a crystal or a cross?
2: Uh no, I'm good. I'm good.
3: You got your squishy?
2: I gotta find my squishy. He's right, yeah, there. right there.
3: He's next to your um gravel.
2: What? <sighs> Nothing. I just think I think of like your welcome to my life comments about like Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't remember every everything you say. Or anything? Or anything? My God, this—what's this, going on with you? It's quarantine. <laughs> got you all sassyed up today.
3: I think I was thinking about yesterday huh? when. What did you say? You said I'm a character.
2: You are a character. I said that. Uh, yeah, yesterday you are a character. Okay. Is that?
3: I don't like you don't
2: like it's, I said it's good. I don't, I don't know. I said I said it's good. Okay. You're not boring.
3: Okay. Are you ready for some spooky stories?
2: <laughs> I am character. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't even know what's happening right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this first story, it's a little story about camping. Are you... D- <laughs> I feel I'm, like I'm you're listening. still laughing.
1: No,
2: I'm listening. I'm okay. listening. Okay.
3: Uh, I, I mean, I thought that this was kind of crazy and I don't know how you could explain it. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think at the end. Like, how, how did that happen? Right, okay. Or how could this happen? Hey guys, I have a story for you. My friend and I have one or two big camping trips a few times a year in the Oregon wilderness. This story is about one of those trips. One of the bigger camping grounds that we frequented is in an isolated spot deep in the mountains off one of many logging roads that snake their way through the Tillamook National Forest. It's a tradition within the group for one person to leave early, scout ahead, claim the spot before making camp, Seeing as how I enjoyed meandering through the woods alone on rainy days, I left early to claim one of the prime spots before anyone else, and after an uneventful drive through the Tillamook Forest, I ended up making camp around 11 o'clock that morning. It was a cold autumn morning, and it was misting heavily thanks to the low clouds moving across the valley that day. Putting in one of my wireless earbuds, I started one of several podcasts I had downloaded onto my phone and got to work. By getting fast, by getting a fire started fast, hanging tarps for, to provide cover for sitting came next. Hanging tarps provide cover for sitting came next, as well as putting up my tent and chopping wood for the coming evening. After an hour, camp was made, and I sat down next to the fire to warm up, dry off, get some coals ready for, to cook lunch. But while I was buttering up the cast iron pan, the audio on my phone cut out completely. My first instinct was to check to see if my dumbass had forgotten to charge my headset. Fully charged. Disconnecting the headphones from the Bluetooth, I started the podcast again. It played over the speaker, and my phone was fine. The moisture must have shortened out the cheap wireless headset, I thought, before pausing the podcast to check the wireless one more time. I restarted the headset and went to reconnect before the sound of something coming down the gravel road drew my attention. After a few minutes of staring at the road, expecting one of my friends to pull up, nothing happened. Turning my attention to the fire, I started to feel a sudden cold, as if my clothes were completely drenched. And then I noticed that the fire had burned down to cinders and was smoldering, Mm -hmm. nearly choked out by the rain. Startled, I jumped to my feet to find that I was soaked to the bone, as if I had either been sitting in or walking around in the rain. I didn't start getting scared, however, until I checked my phone. It was somehow now 2 p.m. I had lost two or so hours. It was about this time that I made the decision to get the fuck out of there. I grabbed my things out of the tent that I would be leaving behind before making my way to the car when I heard something on the road again. My heart skipped a beat before the sight of my friend's red pickup truck brought a huge sense of relief. Mm -hmm. I I made my way over to him while he parked. When he got out of the truck, I could tell something was wrong. My buddy looked tense and angry. Bro, what the fuck? He yelled at me. What happened? Was all I could manage to say. Stop fucking with me, dude. You scared the shit out of me. Confused, I pressed him again. Mm -hmm. Dude, what happened? You know what happened. First, I show up and you aren't here. And then the screaming and the yelling in the woods? You scared me so bad I left, you asshole. My heart sunk. That wasn't... But before I could continue, a scream echoed through the woods, seemingly emanating from the campground behind us. The blood-curdling, grinding sound of pain and fear almost made the forest itself turn dark as the rain started again. My friend and I only took one look at each other before running to our cars and getting the fuck down off that mountain. When we made it out, we called the rest of the group and told them that the site was full, before going home and never speaking of the incident until several years later. When we finally did talk about it, I had only one question for him: "Why did you come back?" He said, "I just had the feeling that something was wrong, you know. And to this day, we have yet to return to that logging road, and I still have no idea what happened, nor do I care to know. I'm just glad my friend didn't leave me behind. Mr. S. Don't Mr S. Isn't yeah. it so weird. The
2: odd story. I mean, I mean, I, uh, part of me is like, well, why did when, it, when his friend heard the screams... If he thinks that his friend is missing, why not look for them? but I guess you could be really scared yeah, and then he did come back I mean,
3: I think he did look for him I think that it's just confusing how it's told oh yeah I think yeah, yeah. he, he I, I think the friend came his friend wasn't there. He heard the screams and then was, like, looking around for him, like, where the fuck are you? And then, like, left looking for him. And I think that's why he came back. Uh, That's what uh, I pieced together. Like, he wasn't at the camp. He he didn't just
2: hear the scream and just take off.
3: No, I think he was out looking for him. yeah. And could have opted not to come back to the campsite, but then felt like... Something about that doesn't seem right, so I'm going to go back to where camp is.
2: Hearing the scream later is is, is weird. Like when they both heard it, uh-huh. I mean, and then yeah, obviously the loss of time. I mean, in ufology lore, yeah, the the whole like loss of time thing is uh, a fairly commonly reported phenomenon, where people who have had extraterrestrial sightings or you know like they see like bright lights in the sky, things, uh, instrument panels start to go wrong. You know, like their car starts acting funny, oh, yeah, their well, phone starts phone. acting funny, yeah. that. Tech- that that is a classic kind of signs of, um, extra, you know, possible extraterrestrial encounter. Well, maybe that's what happened. And so, if I if I had to pick, I feel like um, I, I am so skeptical. But sometimes I I don't know why X Files flash into my head, where it's like okay. b- between time suck and now this, I've randomly studied. So many of these things, sure. so much, yeah, that I I just flashed on like I'm Fox Mulder sitting like, well, uh, Scully, that's classic uh, ufology lore. I just hear myself say, but it, but that is that is. So if I had to guess, I would say if something paranormal, unexplainable happened, that it would be a, some type of extraterrestrial encounter. Okay, yeah.
3: I mean, and that thought did not cross my mind. I don't I don't know what I thought happened. Yeah. I was very confused, but also really creeped out.
2: Yeah. Like, if I saw weird lights in the woods.
3: But he didn't see weird lights. I know, he didn't see oh, weird okay. lights. But,
2: it, but if I was like, or, you know, and, and my phone started acting weird. Like, if I started having a lot of tech problems, uh-huh. my mind would go to uh, extraterrestrial before it would go to some type of spirit. Or like haunting kind of thing right haunting cryptid any of that kind of stuff my mind would would be looking my mind my mind i would be looking for the bright lights and and listening for like a hum or some kind of some kind of machinery some type of craft
3: what if we were camping because we love to camp um and you went to the restroom and like when you left camp yeah it was 11 a.m and then when you came back it was 2 p.m i'd be
2: freaked out
3: would we pack up and go home
2: yeah. Okay, I mean pr- probably like pack up and go home and and, and if I really lost that time, I, I would Im- I would immediately want to go to a doctor and, and just and report and like did I have some kind of fucking stroke yeah, or yeah. you know like so, some I mean mental what, break? What yeah, what med- yeah, exactly, what medically could explain it. I I would look that down that road first. Okay, okay. And then if like all the tests came back, like I'm just totally fine, I would honestly want to be checked for like <laughs> now. This makes me feel like it sounds even crazier, some kind of implant. You know, like is there a little scar behind my ear, something Probably. somewhere? Yeah, I'd be, i be Yeah, worried. well,
3: Mr. S, maybe he should have a full body scan. I wonder if he's done oh, that. Does he keep up with his health? Has he had a physical recently, Mr. S? If you're watching, oh my god, you he... might want to have things
2: checked out. Yeah, because can, can you imagine, like, you do that, and then you go to the doctor, and they're like, "What's this little? It's like some weird little piece of metal oh, my god. in your head, or just in your wrist, or something? Like, what, what is this?" Then <sighs> that, <laughs> then I would really be freaking out.
3: I just started. I just flashed on Westworld. We just. Are getting ready to watch season three and i was thinking uh-huh. about how ed harris gets shot and he's like trying to like dig something out of his mm-hmm, arm mm-hmm. i still haven't figured that out
2: i think i remember but i don't want to say okay don't well don't say, don't say don't yeah.
3: say don't say okay now this story this next story i have to tell you uh i prepped this on a plane headed to or from nashville i can't remember which and i was fucking scared
2: okay like okay.
3: legitimately scared it's it's a bit long mm-hmm. um
2: like a long, scary one.
3: Yeah, and I think that this and it has like a nice build. Good, and good. I think the storyteller does a really good job of um, keeping the series of events. I just realized that this is like so big. Um yeah. The series of events. If you're on,
2: if you're just listening, she was talking about my uh, penis.
3: Um, your dick is right here, honey.
2: Oh, tiny little. Girl. Oh, jeez.
3: Tiny amethyst penis. <laughs>
2: okay.
3: Um, but I I thought. Uh, I I was like, oh, you could you you write really well like this really made sense. It was clear. I didn't find any part of it confusing So, I mean, I feel like you can really Immerse yourself in this one. Okay. Okay, so this story uh, is about a haunted apartment in Harlem, New York Okay, okay. All right and so she begins hi I really enjoy your show and find myself unable to turn away even when I'm getting cold chills. Yes. I am definitely a peeper and don't know why I can't stop coming back for more. Maybe it is the curiosity of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it is hearing things that seem to match experiences I have had in my life. Or maybe I'm curious to know if crystals really have this power to protect and deter bad things that we can't see. I'm waiting to hear your results on that. My story takes place over a couple of years in the early 2000s in the middle of New York City, and it made me a believer in many things from the paranormal realm. My husband had been accepted into a graduate program at a prestigious school in the city. We found ourselves moving from our small town in Utah to the Big Apple. It was exciting, an adventure we looked forward to. I had never been so far away from friends and family for very long, and I found myself bawling my eyes out as my dad drove away with the empty moving truck after helping us move into a five-story walk-up in the middle of Harlem. We had spent the last of our savings putting down a huge deposit and payment on our apartment and the move across the country. Even if we didn't like where we were, we were in it for the long haul. Things started out uneventful. My husband was soon starting classes, and I taught part-time and spent the rest of the time with our four-year-old. I was expecting our second child and found myself exhausted after long days of teaching. I began having very vivid and intense dreams about a man being in our apartment. He was angry and telling me to get out as he moved from room to room at an unnatural speed. Uh. I would wake up in a cold sweat, feeling unsettled but brushed it off as pregnancy, crazy pregnancy hormones, causing these dreams night after night. A logical explanation. If it was not long after, however, that my dreams seemed to move into my real life. One day, I heard my four-year-old son playing in his room, and it seemed like he was having a one-sided conversation. I could hear him growing agitated and then began crying. I went in to see what was going on and saw him with his back pressed against one wall, staring at the wall across from him with fear all over his face. I asked him what was going on. He said the man wouldn't stop yelling at me. I felt my blood run cold and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I stared at the wall where he was looking and I could see nothing, but my son could see something. I brushed it off as his wild imagination and took him outside to the park to get his mind off of the unsettling moment. Upon arriving back, he did not want to be in his room alone. I let him help me with making dinner and waiting for dad to get back home. While we were in the kitchen, I swear I could hear the the floorboards creaking in the direction of his room. I again tried to think of an explanation Mm -hmm. and thought of how we had neighbors above and below and we were in an old building. It was probably just me being silly and paranoid. It, It came time to go to bed that night and I had the same dream that seemed to plague me every night now. The angry man pacing through our apartment at an inhuman speed, yelling at us to get out. I found myself not sleeping well, and exhaustion set in. It took a toll on me, and my pregnancy became riskier. I was advised to stop working and to try to take it easy at home for the duration of my pregnancy. I was happy to be able to spend more time with my little guy. Mm -hmm. I soon grew troubled, though. I heard my son having more of his one-sided conversations as he would play throughout the day. Sometimes they seemed like nice and friendly conversations, but soon they would turn frightened and uneasy. I decided to try to talk to him more about who he was talking to, Mm -hmm. thinking that maybe he had an imaginary friend. He said, I play with Sebastian. He likes to see what my toys can do, but then he has to hide when Mr. Tinkets comes looking for him. He tells me not to tell him where he is. Mm -hmm. Who is Mr. Tinkets? He's a mean man, Mommy. He tries to get me to do bad things, and he says if I don't tell him where Sebastian is, we are going to be sorry. I was alarmed by this and felt very uneasy. I don't know where he had heard the name Sebastian and had never heard of anyone with the last name of Tinkets. Mm -hmm. I felt like something was watching us as I talked to him, and I could have sworn the room grew, grew colder by 10 degrees. I told my son to join me in our living room, where I could rest and turn on a show for him and get his mind out of... Off of what was happening. As we sat watching a movie, I could hear his battery operated toys making noises from his room. Sebastian likes that one, my son said as we heard the little fire truck he had making noises. I got instant goosebumps and felt like crying, which seemed to become a regular occurrence. I had no idea what to do, so I just started praying and left a voicemail for my husband to come home as soon as he was able to. When my husband got home, he of course looked at me like I was crazy when I told him about our son's conversations and the toys making noise on their own. He said it was probably the batteries getting low or interference from airplanes flying over or other electronics in the building. Mm -hmm. He told me not to get hysterical because he didn't want me scaring our son. I felt like crying in frustration with him, but decided maybe he was right. Maybe it was just my exhaustion mixed with the things that had perfectly good explanations and not some scary alternative. I quickly decided it was not just my mind. It seemed like as soon as my husband would leave for work, Mm -hmm. the toys started making noises. I would hear what sounded like footsteps moving through our apartment, and cold spots would seem to randomly show up. There were times when I did not feel like we were alone. It was often that I felt like we were being watched. Then one day something happened that made my blood run cold. I kept hearing noises coming from the kitchen that sat off of our living room area, The lights were out, but I thought I could see something moving in the dark. It seemed to be peeking out at me from around a corner in the room. I thought it must just be my eyes playing tricks on me. So I sat, staring at this black shadow, waiting for it to move. And move it did. The shadow stepped out from around the corner, and it was all black. I couldn't see any features. I could only tell it was human in shape and size. I was already freaking out inside when the shadow appeared to bend over and walk on all fours quickly Uh. across the kitchen and disappear down the hallway that led to the front door. I didn't know what to do. I wanted out of the apartment, but that thing was by the front door, or so I thought. I wasn't about to go into the kitchen and look down the hallway leading to the front door. I quickly ran and grabbed my little guy, who was fast asleep for the night. I brought him into the front room with me and sat staring into the kitchen, wondering what I should do. When my husband arrived home, I totally freaked out crying. I mean, ugly crying, where your nose is all stuffy and your eyes get all puffy, telling my husband what I saw. I think he didn't believe me, and that made me so angry with him. I felt trapped in this apartment, unable to really do much to get out during the day because of my high-risk pregnancy. I had to tell myself that whatever this thing was had not hurt us yet, and so I just had to coexist with it and hope to never see it again. The activity when my husband would leave began to increase. I hated to leave my son alone because it seemed like whatever was coming to him was growing more agitated, and he was more upset more often than not. One day I was in desperate need of a shower and a moment alone to to gather my sanity. I decided my son would be okay for the 10 to 15 minutes it would take for me to shower and feel like a normal human again. As soon as I had turned on the water, my little guy knocked on the door and asked if I could hurry. I told him I would. I was in the shower, and I was in the shower and out and heading into the apartment in about 10 minutes. When I stepped out of the bathroom, I noticed a few little red drops on the floor leading from the bathroom door toward my son's room. I looked closer and I saw that it was blood. I raced into his room, and what I saw brought me to my knees. My son was sitting in front of the wall that he would stare at, and there were bloody handprints all over it. Most were his handprints, but there were a couple that looked bigger. Blood was smeared along the wall, even up high next to the ceiling where he could not reach. He turned to me, and I could see his nose was gushing blood. I quickly grabbed a towel from his laundry basket and held it to his nose to stop the bleeding and dragged him out of the room. What is going on? I choked through tears. My nose started to bleed. Mr. Tinkets told me if if we could cover the wall in red, he might go away. But he said we might need more blood than I have. I was totally creeped out. I went to his room and it felt so cold in there. I began to have a conversation with something I couldn't see. I told whatever it was that this was our home and it needed to go away and to leave my son alone. I remembered from church hearing that if you told something evil to go away in the name of Jesus Christ, it was supposed to make evil spirits leave. So desperately, I commanded whatever it was to go away using the name of Jesus Christ. I took a picture of the wall before cleaning it to show my husband when he got home. I was not going to leave smeared blood up on the wall. It would be my undoing. I spent the day in front in the front room fighting back contractions from the cleaning and the stress, watching a show and playing with my son. When my husband arrived home, I pulled out the digital camera to show him the wall. I told him what had happened. I scrolled through the pictures, but the one of the wall was all black. It was gone. Or maybe it had just captured the black creature that seemed to be stalking us. Either way, my husband seemed to be fed up with me and my stories. It really seemed to put a strain on our relationship. That night when we went to bed, things would change. As we were laying in the dark, the apartment seemed to groan and creak a little, all attributed to being an old building settling. We were nearly asleep, laying on our own sides of the bed, not touching, feeling frustration with one another. Then, it sounded like something walked into our room. It seemed to stop close to my side of the bed, and it felt like something was leaning over me. I stared into the darkness, unable to see anything, and then a man's voice whispered, "'Hey, Mommy.' I sat upright and began to silently cry, clutching the blankets. My husband sat up and asked, What was that? (sighs) Did you hear that? He had not heard the words, but had heard the whisper. He suddenly seemed to be starting to believe what I was experiencing. We went and got our son and brought him into bed with us. I couldn't bear the thought of him sleeping alone in his bed and having that thing go to him. My God. We didn't know what to do. But the next day was one that made us change everything. I could hear my son in his room talking to whatever it was. I went in to get him because I couldn't stand the thought of it any longer. When I walked into his room, his bedroom window was slid all the way up and he was standing on the windowsill, holding onto the sides of the window, leaning forward, looking down at the ground three stories below. I don't know how he could have gotten that window open. The superintendent of the building had put in a bolt to keep it from being opened more than a few inches. And it was a very heavy and very hard to open window, even for me. I didn't want to startle my son and have him fall to his death. So I slowly walked towards him. The room felt so cold and I felt like I could hear a whisper close to my son. I couldn't make out what it said, but I didn't want to find out what sinister ideas it was putting into my son's head. I quickly lunged forward, grabbed my son, and pulled him back inside towards me. And that's when I felt like something had punched me in the side. I felt a hot and intense pain. I ran into the other room with my son and pulled my shirt up to see I had a spot on my side that was red and starting to bruise. I was done dealing with this entity. I knew that it would not be long until his baby sister was born and I couldn't have something hurting my children. When I took my son into the front room and turned on a show to distract him, I went back into his room to close the window. Walking toward his room, his toys that all made noises all started making noises all at once. I was so angry at this point. Something could have killed my son, and it had hurt me. I slammed the window shut, replaced the bolt to keep it from keeping, op- to keep it from opening. Then I picked up the toys and took all of the batteries out of them. I got a screwdriver and opened the ones I couldn't do by hand, and took out every battery and threw them in the garbage can. At least I didn't have to hear the noises, and I felt like I had to show whatever this was that I meant business. As I closed the lid to the garbage can, I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck as a couple of toys I had taken batteries out of started to make noise. Oh, Jesus Christ. I called my husband and left him a message telling him we needed to have our apartment blessed that night. I was not going to spend another night there as it was. The night That night, our apartment was blessed, and it seemed like the activity stopped. I thought it had worked. Life seemed to move on as normal once again and I felt the stress and fear begin to dissipate It was a short time later that my daughter was born and things felt all right I didn't feel like anything was watching us and I didn't notice any cold spots anymore It was a little over a year later when we were packing up to move As I was cleaning the kitchen one last time I heard a noise coming from the kids bedroom I knew that they were both in the front room playing so it could not be them It was then that I looked toward their room and saw the tail end of a black shadow quickly moving across their room. I was so grateful that we were about to leave this place. The day we we moved was such a relief. Luckily, I never experienced anything quite like that again, and I hope to never come across any black shadows again. Thanks for letting me share my story with you. If you have any idea about what that thing could have been, I would love to know. Your listener, the Can't Seem to Look Away, JK. Jeez. Isn't that so intense?
2: That's such an intense... That's that's a... Man, creepy story. What do you think? I mean, nobody knows. No one's going to... Something like this. I mean, what what I find interesting is the the kids telling uh, his mom that there was a man and a boy spirit and that the right. man was angry because that's come up before yes and you know and and for every one story that i tell uh here on scared Dead, there's probably like five other ones that i've looked at that i'm just like it's just not enough meat on it or something that i feel like makes for a good story because i try to make them a little bit longer it doesn't yeah. fit and i will just say that like in looking across many many like uh accounts, th- that's a fairly common Type of entity occurrence where there's two. Yeah. And, and there's specifically a child, usually a boy, for whatever yeah. reason, who claims that he has found a playmate of sorts mm-hmm. who can't be seen, and that the playmate is scared. Of another entity yeah. that is almost always male yeah. and, and angry, and it's just weird. Like, why does that exact scenario keep repeating itself? Kind of like earlier when we were talking about like the uh, instrument panels going berserk or loss yeah. of time or those kind of things being like uh, extraterrestrial telltale.s This this is uh, I don't know if you want to say trope or what, but it, but it's like it, it comes up again and again and again. So. <laughs> Who knows what the hell that thing is? I mean, some people would say demon. Some people would say, I mean, the the, the trouble with all those kind of things is like, you know, ghost, demon, uh, shadow people. They could all be different terms for the same thing. Yeah, we just don't know. If this stuff exists on the other side, which, you know, there's so many stories, again— We don't. That's the scariest part. It's kind of like I was talking about that. You know, again, I can't help but kind of bring everything back to what we're dealing with. It just collectively is a world right now. Yeah. But the main stressor with the coronavirus situation is the unknown. Right. Like psychologically going back (laughs) 20 years, I actually would read about that stuff at school. um, You know, that's that's super high on people's stress. There's like, you know, death, divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, moving is a huge one. And all of those, the underlying occurrence is change, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then uncertainty of what will life, you know. Now this person will no longer be here. How is my life going to be right. without them? Now I'm no longer in this relationship. How will it be without them? Now I've moved to a different place. What am I going to do in this place? Like it's it's the fear of the unknown, and this is totally unknown. Totally you
3: know, unknown and and can't even yeah. be explained.
2: And seems malevolent. So when you right. add like we don't know what it is, we we can't you know definitively you know like study it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it. Yeah, it can literally be just a actual shadow that moves differently than we think a shadow should. A feeling, a voice, and, and a dark energy. I mean, that's why this shit is so terrifying, right? Because it's unknown combined with harmful.
3: Yes. Menacing. Yes. yes.
2: The worst kind of unknown.
3: Why do you think it's not a lot of stories about little girls Yeah, uh, playing with little girl spirits and then an angry mother type figure? Because I feel like the only, I was trying to think, the only little girl story that I can really come up with is that couple from Tacoma that sent in their story. Uh, What is it Mr. Whispers or... Uh, oh, God. The, yeah, the jingle yeah, yeah. Yeah. Grandparents. I can't think of yeah. the exact name. And they were like living in the walls, but that was a right. little girl talking to.
2: Yeah. 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 Like the twi- a, like a, twinkle
3: grandparents. Oh,
2: yes. Yeah. Male and female. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: But even still, it's like, yeah.
2: It's yes, generally a boy. I mean, people, I mean, there's one like theory about that kind of thing where people just think that, you know, if, okay, if you take the notion of something evil, what it wants to do is it wants to corrupt something good, something innocent. And there's been like moral studies that do show that like males are generally just, you know, better than.
3: I knew where this was headed. Dang it. Like, like five seconds. God dang like, it. Is he going to do what I think he's about to do? Ah, uh,
2: So predictable.
3: So predictable. So, well, as a little palate cleanser.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: You are predictable.
2: Uh,
3: Possibly, a, even when you think you're being unpredictable, it mm-hmm. is predictable. Uh, I, I know who you are good. so
2: well. How happy does that make you?
3: That, I think that's why I get mad at you when you suddenly change patterns. Because I'm like, oh, okay, so this is his new non-predictable. Oh, man. Because I imagine you thinking about it and being like, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to throw her off. And like being so proud of yourself. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> now he's really into this. Okay. How
2: dare you? What's your next thing? <laughs>
3: well, this is a little palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a really awesome note to leave on. So a fan of ours, Paige, yeah. was in Ireland. And when she was there, she got to go to Leap Castle,
2: right? And right. Leap, Leap Castle is—I don't—I don't remember how many stories back. I don't know five, six. But Leap Castle is the—the the thing that sticks out for me for that story. A haunted castle, you know, was around for many times. Now a private residence, and yeah. uh, the Elemental. Like there's this, uh, there's like the—the the bloody chapel. The—the mm-hmm. the Elemental is the one, like down in the. I guess in the in the dungeon uh-huh. uh where people would actually be, you know, executed like a whole trap door. But yes, very, very fun, creepy castle story.
3: Yeah. And in the episode, I meant to look up which number episode it is. And I'm so sorry that I forgot. But it is the episode entitled The Unknown. OK. And so this is the message we get from from Paige. Just really uh, nothing scary. And cool pictures. Yes. So hang on for the pictures. She says, hey, Dan and Lindsay, hope this email finds you both well. My fiance is an avid listener of your scared to death podcast and has begun to introduce them to me. I was in Ireland and before heading out on this awesome trip, my fiance told me about Leap Castle from the podcast episode, The Unknown. He said that if we, she was traveling with a friend. Yeah. Could visit in any way we should. She emailed the owner and Sean is the owner. He said he would welcome them to the castle and She said, not going to lie, it was a little bit awkward just walking up into someone's new home based on it being the world's most haunted castle. He's in the progress of restoring the castle since it was partially destroyed during the Irish Civil War. He told us about the story of the O'Bannons and the O'Carrolls, gave us some flashlights and then just sent us off to explore, Cool, which is really amazing that he just let some strangers uh, come through his place and also that you guys weren't... Like, violently raped and murdered? Like, you're very (laughs) trusting. We found ourselves in the Bloody Chapel. I cuddled away by a window and listened to your podcast, The Unknown. It gave me goosebumps. Unfortunately, my friend and I did not see anything, but I thought it was very cool that I listened to your Leap Castle podcast in the bloody chapel. Ah, uh, thanks for making my skin crawl. Thanks for making skin crawling, heart pounding, mind racing podcast. Take care, Paige Taylor and her boyfriend, Blaine Horn. So, awesome. producer Joe is going to queue up some photos. So, yeah. this is Leap Castle. <sighs> yep,
2: That's beautiful. I mean, this what a cool took- private residence!
3: Oh my god, how much do you think he paid for that?
2: You know, I, I, I do actually remember coming across some figures, and I just remember thinking it wasn't what you would think. Because like it, it wasn't
3: $50 million? No, it
2: wasn't like an insane amount. I think it's kind of in like a weird place. I mean, it, you know, I think it t- 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 uh, took some fixing up yeah. to get really well, kind he, of— Yeah,
3: he's restoring it.
2: Right, livable again. So I don't think it was an outrageous price because most people, as cool as it is, just wouldn't want to live out where it is and wouldn't want to live right. in this b- structure.
3: Okay, so now our second photo, this is just a view oh, from Leaf Castle, you know, just open— I My mean, oh God, I
2: hope, I hope I get to go to the Dublin Comedy Festival with all this nonsense. I hope it doesn't get canceled. <sighs> Fingers crossed. Fingers I, I crossed. To to Ireland so bad.
3: We, yeah, I I spent a tiny bit there, but so many years ago, I I was drunk the whole time. So, okay. So now the next picture. This is the Bloody Chapel. Very very cool. And then this next photo is what you were referencing. It's like the dungeon. Yes. 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 Below or beside. Wow. The chapel.
2: Wow. And,
3: I, and you know, all these photos will be on social media, of course.
2: Yeah, on our Scared to Death podcast. I, I can never remember without looking. Scared to Death podcast on Instagram. But, uh-huh. Yeah.
3: Uh-huh. And then this next photo is just of ruin. So, like, this is them looking out the bloody chapel outside. Oh, yeah. You know, just some really... Old ruins. And then this <laughs> this last photo is of Paige listening to the episode, The Unknown, in the Bloody Chapel. Aww. And I love that.
2: Uh, that's so cool.
3: Yeah, it's a beautiful photo.
2: That is it. That's, yeah, it's that's a, that's a cool shot.
3: Yeah. So thank you, Paige. Thank you,
2: Paige. That's
3: awesome. Thanks for sharing. And, you know, just again, we won't be doing like updates frequently. Yeah. That's not going to be a part of this show. But this was yeah. so specific mm-hmm. to something that we had talked about, it seemed
2: and you and you wanted to thank somebody about a T-shirt. I did. Thank you for reminding I see, me. See, I already listen to you sometimes. Or did you just like see it over here? No.
0: no.
3: I got this T-shirt. I, we first of all, we got so many cool presents in Nashville, yeah. and just with the chaos of everything, we haven't really unpacked. Um, there's a pile of things, but I did get this water bottle that I'm very excited about. You put crystals in the bottom. So thank you from from. I can't speak today. Thank you, Mariah. I can, like, change it out. Oh, you,
2: you just, you, it's oh, okay. okay. It's okay. It's just okay. wet from me washing it. Oh, okay. It's
3: like, crystals in the bottom.
2: Yeah. Very cool.
3: Very cool. Very pretty. It's very loud, so I <laughs> realized afterwards, like, maybe not great for on the show. And then I cannot remember this fan's name to save my life, but she can tag herself in you, our... I
2: remember you getting that photo, though. Social media. Crystals Cannabis Kindness.
3: I mean, does she know me or what? Like, do you think that me mm. and her are best friends?
2: Probably. These
3: are, like, all the things I need in life. Mm-hmm. Why don't? How come you don't make me thoughtful gifts like this?
2: Because you you say shitty things to me, and it makes me not want to give you stuff. (laughs) Okay,
3: (laughs) I'm not gonna give you anything.
2: (laughs) Oh man, what's happening on here?
3: That's the way it goes, Dan. That's
2: it. Okay, that's it?
3: That's it. That's, that's it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I brought in any other... Like I said, everything mm-hmm. is... We like to document it when it comes in. Yep. Harmony does an amazing job of like yeah. making sure that there's photographs of everything, yeah. and that we can thank everyone for what they've sent. So it's just a giant pile of things that we just mm-hmm. haven't gotten to, but we're so grateful. It was mm-hmm. so fun to meet fans in Nashville. It was. It was. It was such a precarious sort of weekend, you know. I and know. we just... You know, we really thought long and hard, like, do we do the shows? Do we not do the shows? And... Yeah, there were a couple people who came through the line that like it just really stood out to me There's this one couple. I've referenced them to you so many times husband and wife and or maybe boyfriend girlfriend, but I think husband wife and They both work in jobs that are tourism based Mm -hmm. and she was coming through the line and she got super teary-eyed and was just thanking us Thank you so much for being here. This is so stressful. We are about to lose our jobs This might be the last thing that we get to do for a long time. We really needed this release um so, yeah, I mean, and we did our best to be yeah. – we took photos at a distance yeah. and, you know, didn't interact unless it was lots of hand sanitizer and permission from both parties and blah, blah, blah. And, yep. you know, we did all the things and
2: yeah. – Yeah. that means it's a very complicated issue, you know? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just tough where, you know, you don't want to – not flatten the curve. You don't want to spread something that's going to hurt people. But then also, you know, I it's like hardwired to want to support small businesses mm-hmm. because I know how devastating this can be economically, and I feel just as bad. They're gonna, you know, some people will die a different kind of death, Right. you know, that makes me uh, equally sad as some people, other people actually dying. I know not everyone's going to feel that way, but that is the way I feel. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's just heartbreaking to me. It is, it it is. And, you know, and one thing I got to, I realized, you know, a lot of people don't even know I do stand up. I talk about it so little here. Yeah. Uh, I do have a new album. If if you're looking for extra content, I got six albums on Spotify, Uh, on Amazon Prime. You can watch two different, you know, over hour plus specials, stand up specials. And there's another one coming out, Get Out of Here Devil, coming up soon. And on Pandora, it'll be an early release starting on April 1st. So tons of extra content. If you want some laughs, to help escape and not just horror tales. Please check out, you know, just Dan Cummins. You can find tons of content out there.
3: Yeah. And it's like, you know, we are a small business. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for people coming into scared to death, I don't, they don't know like the whole story and we don't need to have like a long thing about this right now, but Dan and I had a very unconventional, like, way that we met. Th- our marriage—we have—I have two stepkids with him. I don't—I mm-hmm. haven't birthed any children, but they're my fucking babies. So don't mm-hmm. say I don't have kids because I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we moved to Idaho, and before we moved here, uh, I moved here first, and then Dan followed. And it's like this long, convoluted, yeah. very complicated story. But he started another podcast called Time Suck uh, uh, out of our kitchen. And um, it just grew and grew and grew through the support of fans. And subsequently, we've been so lucky Mm -hmm. that uh, I quit my job to work at the podcast. Dan and I both work here. Mm -hmm. And then we have three other full-time employees in-house. And we have several people that we pay on like a, um, what do you call it? Like a 1099, freelance, on a freelance Mm -hmm. basis. So by watching our show, by commenting, reviewing, rating, like you Mm -hmm. are helping. And I know that we're all stuck at home or in really shitty situations right now if you want to be able to help, like that's what you can do. You can listen to time suck. You can listen to scared to death. Mm-hmm. You, you can listen to Dan's stand up. Believe it or not, those things yeah. really matter right now. And that goes for all of podcasting and stand-ups yeah. alike. I mean, if you can just download, if you can mm-hmm. like their photos on Instagram, I mean, those things, it, it feels so trivial, yeah. but when we come out of it, how we survive right yeah. now is really going to matter. So just like a huge yeah. push to just support that's, if you don't have five bucks to go buy a coffee yeah, at a local yep. coffee shop, you can support
2: people who are doing these kinds of things. It's coronavirus approved. It's, fr- it's free. There's social distance. It's just, yep. It's just, uh, yeah. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. You can, you can do it at home. And so, and we thank all of you who are doing that. Yeah, so like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
3: you. Big heartfelt thanks. Yeah. And, and you know, like, if you have a crystal, like, you should hold on to it.
2: <laughs> and now is the time to send in your stories. If you yes. do have more time, you're quarantined, please send in stories to my story at com. Everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Um, thanks for listening or watching Scared to Death. I know more people are watching on YouTube. Appreciate that on YouTube. On the same channel, you can also find the Time Suck videos, and you can find stand-up videos. We're putting more and more of those out there.
3: You can see scary photos of Dan. I mean, that's scary. Old pictures of Dan when he didn't look like this.
2: I look very different. Yes, very different. When I was uh, much younger and, and thinner and had long hair. So weird. Uh... It was cool at the time. Harmony Bella Camp on social media. Thank you. Joe Paisley producing and directing. Zach Flannery. Sophie Evans. uh, Joe Paisley. Zach Cohen. Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Thank you to Heather Rylander for your help. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scared to Death Podcast for more content. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death and we're going to be here for you. Here for you during this crazy time.
3: Good luck, everybody. Sending you lots of love.